So you, you can't believe that you could talk to somebody and they'll talk back if you've never done it. Of course not. See, I've never met an atheist who's like, look, I've actually really set myself apart to say, God, if you're real, I want you to speak to me. Because you can't. Because you know what happens when you do that? God speaks to you. That's what, and it doesn't happen immediately. It's not like God's just like waiting. I've been waiting for you to talk to me all my life. It's not like that. Jesus modeled a close, private relationship with his Father every time he took time to get away and pray to seek God. Pastor Daniel will challenge you to consider this kind of relationship with God. Is your time with him private before it's public? We live in a time with endless distractions. Sometimes always happens as you're seeking time with him. But you have to prioritize that time, letting go of fear and selfishness to hear from him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, I am the light of the world. You know, you'd think if he was the son of God that things would go pretty easy for him, wouldn't it? Kind of a shocking thought, isn't it? You think that if God became a man... It would just make sense that everything would just go smooth. You'd know when the tire was going to go flat on his car, if they had cars back in the day. He'd know exactly the right words to say to diffuse an issue. I mean, he's God in the flesh, right? You would think that when God were to come down and put clothes on, skin on, he would know exactly how to just... It would be like the perfect note all the time, right? No? See, it's amazing when you realize that Jesus' life was more complicated than ours was. That Jesus dealt with more issues than we could ever imagine. You would think that he would know exactly how to diffuse a bad situation, but I, I got news for you. Jesus is kind of like an Italian from the Northeast. He can make a big problem for himself. He just knew the exact amount of relational dynamite to drop into a situation to have a full-blown issue. Did you ever realize that God's way is not always the way of ease and comfort? That's a shocking thought if you think about it. That Jesus oftentimes chose to take the path of the most resistance, to take the road less traveled, to be more unpredictable than we realize. He almost never just assuages his audience. In every situation, because his life always pleased the Father. Jesus would do things that you would never expect. See, that's why we're calling this series, I Am Meeting Jesus Again for the Very First Time. Because 
When you walk with Jesus through the pages of the Gospels, Jesus is just different than you realize. And no matter how many times you've read this, it should strike you as unique again. Now, there's been surveys done of people in America about Christianity and Christians. And when they ask the average person, what do you think about a Christian? You know what the first characteristic of a Christian is? Judgmental, right? Now, what's amazing is the text we're going to read today, Jesus is completely what? Not judgmental. Do you think there's a problem? Houston, I believe we have a problem. See, what you find is that the religious people are judgmental, but Jesus is not. See, I believe that God wants us to look afresh at the life of Jesus. So as we continue this series, I am, I want you to open up in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, as we're going to look at the second I am statement of Jesus in John's gospel. Now, it's about the last quarter of your Bible, John's gospel, so the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as we like to say, chapter 8 sits conveniently between chapter 7 and chapter 9, in case you were wondering where it was. We're going to actually pick up in the very last verse of John chapter 7. I'm going to read to you straight down to verse 12, and then we're going to unpack this together. It says in John 7, verse 53, and everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act Now, Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This, they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. First, And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Powerful, isn't it? How many of you have read that before, heard that before? Yeah. But have you ever really thought about what's going on here? See, Jesus is so unique, 
so different. So I want to look at some of the ways that Jesus is different. Notice first, verse 53 of John 7, it says, everyone went to his own house. Now, what this means is, if you were to read John chapter 7, Jesus is having all sorts of problems. Who is he? No one knows who he is. The authorities are rejecting him. And everyone goes home, but then in verse 1 it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Now notice verse 53. Everyone goes to their own house, but. Now, those of you who've been at Crossroads for any length of time, I love the buts of the Bible. Now, I don't know why you guys are chuckling, you sinners. I don't know what you're thinking about. But the word, the but is a contrasting word. It's saying everybody went to their house, but Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives. And in the morning, he goes back into the temple and starts teaching. Now, why is this important? Because it's private, then it's public. It's private, then public. See, what makes Jesus different is that everyone goes to their own house except Jesus gets away to be alone with his father. Now I'm here to tell you, this is important for us because you would think that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, being fully God and fully man, he'd never need to spend any time with the father. He just knows how it is. But no, Jesus had a private relationship with his father and everything he did publicly stemmed from his relationship with God in private. See, it's private, then it's public. Now, I think this is important for us because I think for many of us, it's just always public. We just think that we're going to roll into the world just being how we are, and by some sheer happenstance, some of God's grace is going to come out of our lives. But I'm here to tell you, everything that you truly want to be publicly, it's going to be born in your private relationship with God. You need to have a personal relationship with God that has nothing to do with your spouse. It has nothing to do with your kids. It has nothing to do with your vocation, although it has something to do with all those things. It's not for that. It's God and you, you and God in the quiet places in your own life. Jesus modeled this all throughout the Gospels. I mean, Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, right? Matthew chapter 4, that's a long time. Before he chose the 12. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus was alone. On news of John the Baptist's death, Jesus got away. After the feeding of the 5,000, he got away. After a day of crowds and activity, he got away. After the mission of the 12, he got away and he took them away. See, Jesus over and over and over again models for you and I that your relationship with God has to be private first before it can be public for other people. Now, I bring that up because I know that we live in 21st century America, which means that nobody's got time for anything. Even though we have more technology to give us more time. I mean, do you remember when there was a time when you had to schedule your life around what TV shows you wanted to watch? Now everything's on demand, right? It's like, you don't need to be there at night. You just get Hulu or whatever you got. And do you remember there used to be the thing called like a VCR? It had tape in it. You guys, you young people are like, VC, what? Dude, it's retro. 
See, we have all of this technology to get us what, the things that we want, but nobody feels like they have any time, right? I was just reading an article in a business magazine about how the hours from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. is prime work time. Your bosses love it because after you put the kids to bed, you got your computer or your device at home, and you work for two hours, and you're not on the clock, and they love that stuff. See, we have all of this technology which is aiming to make us more productive, and so it's really hard to learn how to get alone with the Lord when there's always something to do. How many of you know what it's like to go into your quiet time with an iPad, and before you know it, you defeated a couple levels of Candy Crush? Right? It's like every time you go to get that quiet time, the phone rings. A kid has a, a, an issue. Something always happens. But we need to prioritize the private relationship with God and us. Why? Because Jesus did. See, everything we're going to see, all the way Jesus is going to navigate what is a very unique conflict, it was private first, then it was public. Everyone goes back to their houses, but Jesus gets away to the Mount of Olives. He spends some time alone in private with God. Now, you know why I don't think we spend a lot of time in private with God? Two reasons. One, I think we fear that God may not be there. And two, I think we fear that God may be there. Isn't that true? There's a part of us that we don't want to spend time alone because maybe God isn't real. So we're scared of finding out that God isn't real so we don't go there. Or, and I think maybe more important for us, I think we're scared to get alone with God because God is real. And he's going to meet with us there. And you know what happens when God meets with a human soul? Revolution happens, right? Where all of a sudden you realize everything that I've been trying to do for the last 15 years is just straight out wrong. That all the goals that I've set for myself, they might be good and noble, but they're not God's will for my life. Listen, that was my story. A lot of you know my story. I was a brand new Christian. I got saved at my very last month of my last semester of college. And I was on this ark to be playing music professionally. And I started walking with the Lord. I never even thought about it. And I'll never forget it because I was studying, I was studying. I all of a sudden heard somewhere that you should fast. Right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do that. You know what I mean? Now, I'm all Italian. So the only time you fast is when you shut your eyes at night until you wake up in the morning. You know, it's like... That's your fasting time, you know? But I'm like, oh, I'm going to set myself apart because I want to hear from the Lord, right? And that was, I'm just here to tell you, unless you want your life, don't do that if you want a revolution in your life. Because you know what happened after, I, I spent about 15 hours being the grumpiest dude you've ever met. Because you know what happens when you're used to just eating all the time, you don't eat for a while, what happens? Your blood sugar goes down and you are, gr- now I wasn't married, so Lynn's like, praise God, you know? Nothing worse than a grumpy spouse trying to fast and be all spiritual. But all of a sudden, after about 15 hours, God started to speak to me. And what I realized is that I was pursuing music as a career. And the Lord's like, look, I've given you the gift of music, but I've actually called you for something different. That day, I was like a Christian for like a year. God's like, I've called you to be a pastor. And I was like, yeah, right. Because that's what happens when a revolution is going on in your life. You say, uh, yeah, uh, no, thank you. Because it's not what you expected. It's not what God called. You're like, dude, this, I can't believe this. And I'm thinking to myself, me, a pastor, this is nuts. And it is nuts. 
But see, when God meets with you in the private of your own heart, you can't mistake the voice of the living God. You can't mistake it. Because he always tells you what deep down you know is true, but you never really, really believed. So it needs to be private, then it's public. It reminds me of Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm always impressed when I meet people who say that they're atheists. You know I'm impressed? Because I think God thinks atheists are comedians. They're like, God doesn't exist. God's like, <laughs> they're funny. See, when someone says, I'm an atheist, I'm like, well, have you ever prayed? No, I've never prayed. Well, uh, well so yeah, so you, you can't believe that you could talk to somebody and they'll talk back if you've never done it. Of course not. See, I've never met an atheist who's like, look, I've actually really set myself apart to say, God, if you're real, I want you to speak to me. Because you can't. Because you know what happens when you do that? God speaks to you. That's what, and it doesn't happen immediately. It's not like God's just like waiting. I've been waiting for you to talk to me all my life. It's not like that. But what happens is, is when you and I get ourselves into the private place where God can speak and we quiet down our minds and the internal dialogue and we, and we focus our hearts on God, God is there. And I think for many of us, it's an important teaching that we learn from Jesus that the walk that you want, the relationship that you want, it's never going to happen just in public. It happens in private first. See, before Jesus could go into the temple and teach the people, he spent time alone with his father. And I'm here to tell you, before you're a husband or a wife or a single person, before you do whatever it is you do for your vocation or for your schooling, you want to look into the eyes of God first and let that relationship be the overflow for everything else you do in your life. Because what happens is, is that when you meet with God before you meet with other people, other people will get God's heart out of you. If not, they're just going to get your heart. And you know, and I know that our hearts are in process. Oftentimes, the first reaction or the 20th reaction isn't the proper reaction. So before Jesus is out doing all this ministry and in between all this is going on, he gets away. It's private. Then it's public. And look at what happens. So he's there, he's sitting down, he's teaching the people. Now, don't miss that. The end of verse two, he sat down and taught the people. You realize back in the day, the teacher sat down and the people stood up. You guys want to change that? You want, you want, you want to go back to that? You guys all go sit down and sit. Sound good? You're like, no. But back in the day, that's how it was. When a, when a rabbi or a teacher would show up, they would sit down and everyone would stand up and listen. So he's sitting down and talking and then look at what goes on. It says, then the scribes, verse 3, and Pharisees brought to him a woman charged in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
So Jesus is there. He's teaching the people. And they bring this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. So as you all well know, the act of adultery is having some sort of sexual relations with someone other than the person you're married to. So they literally, he's in the middle of teaching, and all of a sudden there's this commotion. They bring this woman in. Her guilt is indisputable. She was caught in the very act. Now, I know someone's going to ask, well, where's the guy? And I'm here to tell you that's always the way accusations go. It's always arbitrary. She was caught in the act. They let the guy go, and it's just the woman. Isn't that pathetic? Is it? I mean, these are the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders of their day. These are the men who taught the people how they should follow God, and they are being completely arbitrary in what they're doing. But they got this woman, and they say, what should we do with her? What should we do with her? Now, I want to give you the principle, and then I want to unpack it all. Because Jesus, in effect, is saying that you need to look in before you look out. You need to look in before you look out. The reason I said it, it's interesting. It was, it's private, then it's public. Now, you got to look in before you look out. Because they want to accuse her. And Jesus is like, well, listen, if any of you want to, whoever's without sin, you, you can cast the first stone at her. He's saying, look, before you go looking, seeing who you're going to nitpick at, you better take a good look in your own heart. You got to look in before you look out. Now, what's interesting about this is what we're going to find is that the Pharisees and scribes in Jesus' day are a lot like us today. Because we're really good at nitpicking somebody else and we're really lousy at turning a mirror and looking at our own hearts, aren't we? It's so much easier to notice somebody else's mistakes and it's so easy to overlook our own blind spots. Now, to put ourselves back in the story here, this woman is in trouble. I mean, imagine this, right? All of a sudden, these guys come and they take this woman and, and they're, they're bringing her into the temple courts. And all of a sudden, then Jesus is there and they bring her before and like, look, this woman was caught in the act. And in the law, it says that such a one should be stoned. Now, this means stoned with rocks, not stoned with weed, now, I need to say that because we live in Washington, right? And so you guys, you guys know. So I, I just want to make sure that you guys got, this, is, this means death by stones being thrown at you. Okay? Now, where do they get that from? There's actually two places in the law that talk about a woman caught in the act of adultery. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, which says this, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor... Both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Then again, in Deuteronomy 22, 22 to 24, it says, If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. Now, I want you to notice first, the severity for infidelity in God's word is capital. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, 
With a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.